In this video, I'm gonna share my second 10 tips for you in terms of how to make sure that your renovations and your refurbishments are efficient and you don't get ripped off. If you haven't seen the first video, watch that first, then watch this, and with the 20 tips, you're gonna be in a much better place to move forward. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Number 11. So this is miracle cures that usually don't work. So sometimes you may see certain things being advertised like use this particular paint and never have to paint your fence or your uh, walls again. You might see something like use this particular type of uh, liquid and it's gonna seal the cracks for good and you'll never ever have a crack again. Those type of things don't always work. And sometimes they cause more damage and issues, especially on older properties. Uh, so you want to be very, very careful. Don't go for those miracle cures, which are going to be the ultimate solution to fix all of your problems and your ailments. Worse still, you get certain spray on renders and certain foams, which you might use on a roof or elsewhere within the property. And that causes major problems with ventilation, despite what some of the manufacturers may tell you it's not good. So you gotta go into it with your eyes open and most of them offer pretty much zero insulation. So that's not good for you. So when stuff like that comes across your table and it sounds too good to be true, that's because it probably is. Stay away from that stuff where possible unless you've got somebody who's used this in a similar type of building to yours and if they used it four or five years ago or longer and it's working perfectly fine, then consider it. I usually stay away from that stuff. I think you should too. Number 12, know the house prices in the particular area where you've got your house. No matter what you do to a property, how good you make it look, certain postcodes, certain streets, certain areas have a top ceiling in terms of price. So let me give you an example. We did a particular development where the GDV, the gross development value for properties was between 210 pounds to 215 pounds. And had we kitted them out more, I don't think we would have got much more for that. Now I did a lot of research, spoke to a couple of large regional agents and their head of property, and they did all the research for me, gave me the information, and, and even though I said I might make the houses better, they told me you're not gonna get more money for it. Because when people compare uh, with what else is available, your properties aren't going to sell. So what you don't want uh, is the best house in a, in a not so good street or you don't want the best house uh, in an area where those types of houses don't really sell because you might end up spending a lot of money and you might create an indoor swimming pool, you might create a gym, other facilities, tennis courts, whatever, to make it look good. But if the area doesn't lend itself to that, then you're gonna be stuck. So go in with that and to finish up my example, so, we knew our uh, cost to build was 150 pounds per square meter. So GDV, just call it 210 to 215. Let's stick with 215. Uh, cost, 
to build was 210, so we knew exactly what margin we had in between, which was 65 pounds per square foot. Now, we've got to purchase the land, so we need to include that in the price, and then have enough margin for us to make that deal work. So we had to find ways to stay within the 150 and maybe even reduce that. And because I knew the numbers, we then worked towards that particular budget. Had I not known the numbers, 150 could have become 155, 160, 165, then the, then the cost of the land, the section 106 costs, uh, then you've got the section 38 costs, on top of that affordable housing, the whole deal could have crashed and burned. But because I knew the ceiling price, I could then work backwards and try and make everything else work and fit. So you need to make sure you go with the, what the market says. Don't think I'm doing something extraordinary here in, in an area which isn't so extraordinary and think you're gonna get some special or extraordinary results. It hardly ever happens. Don't fall for that trap. Go with whatever's in keeping with the area. Stick with that, stick with the house prices or, and the market price and you're not gonna go wrong. If you outperform or outachieve that, your quid's in. If you don't, at least you won't be disappointed and you won't make a loss. Number 13, stay in keeping with the property. So if you have an old property, let's say an 1890s building, for example, with a traditional build and it's got certain features, then the work you do must complement that building and its features and the area and any replacement that, that you make ought to be as good and very similar. If you start doing different stuff and then start using MDF or other types of material which don't really fit in line uh, with the character of the property, you're gonna mess everything up. And sometimes you can be tempting to change stuff around, go for UPVC for example, or find other techniques or routes or use different types of wood uh, or different, use different types of material. It's not gonna work. If you're gonna go for character properties or you're gonna go for a certain type of property which requires a certain type of material, then stick with that. It might end up costing you more, but it's gonna complement and make the property look better. If you try and do a bit of a botched job, not on purpose, but try and cut corners by trying some modern forms of construction or repairs and maintenance, and they don't fit in line with how the property was built initially, it's gonna stick out like a sore thumb, especially somebody who's uh, trained or a specialist or who buys and sells property, or if they have a building surveyor go around, they'll spot those things and your house isn't gonna sell. So make sure you always keep in character with the street, the area, most importantly, the house itself. Bargain materials. We all love a bargain, don't we? But if you buy cheap, you might have to buy twice because the thing that you bought in the first place wasn't capable of doing what you bought it to do. So as tempting as it is, if something is cheap, or as the street lingo goes, cheap and nasty, well, why would you wanna buy that? Because it's cheap for a particular reason. And, and, and that cheapness is gonna detract from the quality and the value that you're trying to produce and create in your property or your properties. So you, you don't, you want the finished article to look good. We use cheap stuff. It sticks out like a sore thumb and it's obvious. We can all spot cheap from a mile away, just like we can spot quality from a mile away. So don't be tempted to buy cheap stuff. On top of that, then you've got building regulations. So there'll be certain conditions and requirements in terms of the timber frame or the wood or the, uh, and, uh, the brickwork, the, the concrete blocks, etc. So you need to use that, those 
conditions, otherwise you'll have a problem with building regs. Then you've got obviously thermal efficiency, energy targets, and you want to obviously make sure that you are as energy efficient as possible and you get, so you get a higher rating. So using cheap products isn't going to help you with that. And if you're buying online and you haven't seen the products, it's difficult to tell the quality by, by seeing certain photos and photos can be misleading. So stay away from online unless it's a, a reputable supplier who you've used or you know the quality that they supply. Now most importantly, sometimes it's tempting to go overseas. I'm not going to mention any particular countries, but we know goods come, that come from certain countries aren't up to scratch and aren't UK compliant, which means they're going to affect your K values. If they affect your K values, your energy uh, efficiency ratings won't be good. Therefore, you may not be able to sell the property or it might cost you more money to try and make it energy efficient. It's, it's, it's just going to be a disaster. So just because just something is cheap doesn't mean you ought to buy it. Now, saying that, sometimes stuff is discounted for a particular reason. End of line, for example, or a shop's closing down, or there's something else going on. So they give you a good deal. That's different. That's not cheap. That's just discounted for a particular reason. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about you being tempted to buy something cheaper, compromising on value. Uh, you're a property investor, you run a proper business, you're here to give good value, give good products, and make money in the process. Therefore, shortcuts and cutting corners should not be part of your process. Number 15, only make improvements that add value. So you want to make sure that you, you add, you do something which at the end gives an enhanced value to the property and somebody who's coming to buy it will like it and appreciate it. So certain forms of cladding or certain forms of use of plastic or certain fascias don't really add to the character of a building. Now it might be tempting to, to do that because you think it looks nice or you think it's gonna save painting stuff or you, or you think uh, Cladding's gonna make it look different, but it, may, it won't be in keeping and character with the building. I think overall that doesn't always look good. It detracts from the value. You're ending, you're spending more money than you need to sometimes. Uh, so just do the simple stuff and do it really well, and don't go crazy on trying new different stuff. If it's a brand new development, by the way, different story to some extent. You can then look at possibly cladding and different kind of faces and that type of stuff. There's more flexibility there, but with existing buildings, don't try to be too different or step away from uh, the property itself, because it's gonna land you in trouble, and in the end, rather than adding value, the property's gonna look pretty poor, and you're gonna lose value, and that's not what you want. Number 16, once you've appointed a builder, listen to them. Like I said in the first video, uh, most builders do a good job. There's a small proportion, and I mean small, who don't do a good job, so we shouldn't judge the entire industry or any industry just based on a few rogue traders. So once you've appointed the builder, hopefully there's some kind of a relationship there, there's trust there, seek their guidance. Ask them what will work, what won't work. Ask them for different options, you know, for good, better, best, and then you think about which option works within your budget. Ask them for their opinion, because sometimes they might say to you, don't put a door there, for example, put a door there. Don't change this window uh, to this particular size or uh, color, do this particular color. Uh, changing the size of a window is a planning permission matter, by the way, but in terms of color, 
uh, ask them because they know how that works. Ask all the estate agents because they'll tell you which colors are in, which colors aren't in. Uh, every time we build new houses and I ask the agents, the colors always change. Sometimes it's white, sometimes it's magnolia, sometimes it's gray. I can't keep up. Different area, different requirements, by the way. So I just leave that to the specialist. But your builder will be able to give you a lot of information, especially in terms of which local suppliers to use, the quality that they give, where you get the best stuff, how, where you get stuff quicker. All of these things they know because they do the job day in, day out. So rely, lean on them, rely on them, and ask them to help and guide you. Now sometimes they might have an ulterior motive because they might have a, have a trade discount with a particular company that they may not wish to pass on to you. So they may try and lead you to that particular company uh, and try and get some money from it. But I think most builders aren't like that. They're pretty good. They want to help you out. And if you're paying for the materials, they're not going to benefit anyway. Uh, so lean on them, use their expertise so that you get the best deals every single time. Number 17, don't leave it to your builder to make all the decisions. So there's a lot of things that you need to do. Kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, doors, paint, uh, flooring, tiling, carpet, windows, exteriors, interiors. There's a lot of decisions you need to make in terms of the property. And if you leave that all to the builder and don't pay attention, they might do what they think is best, they might do what they prefer. That doesn't get you to where you need to get to. So you need to be in, involved in all those decisions. You know what you want and you know how much you want to spend. So you make sure you're involved in that process. Now sometimes you've got to make quick decisions because there's certain things you probably didn't think about or, and, or if you did think about them, now you're trying to order something, isn't available, you need to go to option two. So and if you leave your builders to choose option two, their option two might have been your option number four. So you're not gonna be happy. So you need to make sure you have regular site visits, you know exactly what's being ordered and make sure it's to spec. And if things aren't to spec because they're not available and you need to order something else, you need to decide what that ought to be. So keep those decisions to yourself. Of course, seek the counsel and advice of others, whether it's your builder, estate agent, or somebody else. You can ask them for a second, third opinion. That's absolutely fine. But the end decision has to be made by you and must be yours and yours alone. In my experience, good design or great design is exceptionally important. A property that is designed well will look good, it'll be transformational, it will be worth more, there'll be perceived and inherent value in it, and, and that design cost is worth every single penny any day, day of the week. Poor design is a waste of money, it doesn't work, isn't practical, and there are a number of reasons uh, why it's not gonna help you, and let me share those with you. The first one is ill-judged applications for planning purposes will cause a negative impact and could lead to refusal. You want to avoid that. Planners like good design. When they see that, they're more likely to support you. Poor design can squander potential, waste money, waste space, and make you lose your maximum value. So you want to make sure you stay away from poor design and stay with good design. And thirdly, overcomplicated design can lead to unnecessary time unnecessary costs and loss of profits. So make sure any design element that you have, you make sure is this right and is it appropriate and is it necessary? If not, take it out. If an architect or a designer fails to listen to your instructions and your brief, it's gonna to lead to disaster because you're not gonna like the end product, 
it's going to cost you more to fix it, it's going to cost you more to, if, you, if you've done the work, then change it. So you want to make sure you have very clear instructions of exactly what's expected, so the people that do the work for you deliver based on that expectation and the requirements. Of course, they can guide you and help you and point you in the right direction for certain things, but overall, they should follow what you want. And finally, lack of detail or errors can cause complications when things are on site, things will go wrong, it's gonna cost you more money, there's gonna be de delays, inevitably your contractor, your builder is gonna charge variations and those are gonna go through the roof because like I said to you, certain builders do make a hefty margin through variations. Your job is to keep variations to a minimum and possibly and hopefully zero. Energy saving measures matter. So you wanna make sure everything that you do you include and enhance the energy saving because it's good for your rating and there are certain people out there who want to buy homes which are energy efficient. And the way that we're heading uh, with the climate emergency uh, and uh, the green agenda, uh, you wanna make sure you, you focus on energy efficiency. So for example, if you've got single glazing and you change it to double glazing, is that going to add enough efficiency? If not, is it worth the extra cost? Probably not. Uh, so you want to make sure you know about that. You also want to check with your local authority or council because there are certain grants available uh, and they you, may be applicable to you. So that is going to help soften the blow and improve the efficiency. And certain VAT relief available for energy efficient items and equipment. Check that out too. But here's a list of the different energy efficiency items I think you ought to be looking at. So if you can include these into your uh, refurbishments and your developments, you're gonna find it helpful. The last thing, and number 20, is make sure you work in the right way. So if you're using subcontractors, make sure you've got a proper schedule of what needs to happen when. When the first fix takes place, when the second fix takes place, when people come in for the foundations, when they come in uh, for the roof, when they come in to do the internals, and you have to line that up in the right order. If you don't have that experience, work with a project manager, they will help you with that because they're specialists at this. But doing things in the wrong order and using subcontractors and calling them in and then having no, or the, or the, the thing that they care to do isn't ready, is gonna be costly for you, be a waste of time for them, it's gonna cause you aggravation, it's gonna cause delays. So make sure if you're self-managing, that you at least use somebody who can help you. So if you are self-managing, do it all in the right order so everybody is given a time frame and everybody sticks to it so they know what to do, when to do it, because the last thing you want is four different tradespeople uh, coming on site and the job isn't ready for them, they're not gonna be very happy bunnies and they're not gonna want to work with you again and they'll probably wanna charge you more money. So make sure you do everything in the correct order and you know exactly what that order is. So in the first video, which is up here, and this video, I've shared 20 tips to help you become more efficient, to help you manage projects better, to help manage builders better, to help you manage your own expectation better. So this all puts you in a good position and should have given you at least one, if not more, beneficial tips to be better going forward. If you're new to the channel, Click subscribe so you can be notified of all the new content. 
If you're already a subscriber, put a comment down there with a question or something that, that you, you want to share because I value your input as much as you value mine. And this is a two-way process, by the way. So I'm pleased you're here and I'm pleased you're engaging. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.